Greetings and welcome to Digging Deeper with Kenneth Frank, where we uncover hidden gems of understanding in the Word of God. Did you know that the Bible refers to God's spoken and recorded revelations by the term oracles? When writing to the Church of God in Rome, the Apostle Paul used this term that was familiar to Jews, but that is rather unfamiliar to Christians today. Some may think this word refers only to pagan oracles. Some may wonder what God's oracles are and why they are given this name. This digging deeper delves into these questions with a brief word study that will further open our understanding of God's inspired and preserved word. It will also explain the demanding responsibility of God's people to faithfully preserve and promote it. Our focused verses come from Romans 3, verses 1 and 2. What advantage then has the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. This was Paul's reply to his question concerning the advantage afforded by God to the Jews. Paul reminded them that they had been privileged to receive the word of God that first was spoken directly by God, but later inscribed for permanence. Sayings and Revelations In the plural, the oracles of God appears three times. In the phrase, the lively oracles appears once in our New Testament. Acts 7.38, Romans 3.2, Hebrews 5.12, 1 Peter 4.11. They are described as living since the living God had spoken them at Sinai. The word oracles is translated from the Greek word logion, plural of logos, literally meaning sayings. In simple terms, this was the common first century synonym for the Hebrew Bible, which Christians call the Old Testament. Richard Watson's Biblical and Theological Dictionary explains that oracle, quote, denotes something delivered by supernatural wisdom. And the term is also used in the Old Testament to signify the most holy place from whence the Lord revealed his will to ancient Israel. 1 Kings 6, 5, 19 to 21 and 23. But when the word occurs in the plural number, as it mostly does, it denotes the revelations contained in the sacred writings of which the nation of Israel were the depositories, end of quote. God's oracles were not always in written form. The CARM Theological Dictionary reports, quote, God's method of communicating these oracles varied from dreams and visions, Numbers 12, 6 to 8, to wisdom, Proverbs 30, verse 1, and even the Urim and Thummim, Numbers 27, 21, end of quote. Another source of divine guidance was the high priest breastplate. Vine's complete expository dictionary of New Testament words declares, quote, divine oracles were given by means of the breastplate of the high priest in connection with the service of the tabernacle, and the Septuagint uses the associated word logion in Exodus 28.15 to describe the breastplate, end of quote. Oracles of God. These oracles were the divinely inspired utterances of God. In defining what was included in these oracles, 
Richard Watson's Biblical and Theological Dictionary declares, quote, These oracles contain the law, both moral and ceremonial, with all the types and promises relating to the Messiah, which are to be found in the writings of Moses. They also contain all the intimations of the divine mind, which he was pleased to communicate by means of the succeeding prophets, who prophesied beforehand of the coming and of the sufferings of the Messiah, with the glory that should follow. End of quote. The biblical illustrator by Joseph S. Excel carries this thought even further. Quote, but the apostles, when they turned the scriptures oracles, Acts 7.38, Hebrews 5.12, 1 Peter 4.11, signify that they are real revelations from the true God. These were communicated, viva voce, as when God spoke to Moses face to face, in visions, as when a prophet in an ecstasy had supernatural revelations, Genesis 15.1, 46.2, Ezekiel 11.24, Daniel 8.2. In dreams is those of Jacob, Genesis 28, 12, and Joseph, Genesis 37, 5, and 6, by Urim and Thummim, which was a way of knowing the will of God by the ephod or breastplate of the high priest. After the building of the temple, God's will was generally made known by prophets, divinely inspired, and who were made acquainted with it in different ways. 1 Chronicles 9, 20, and 21, end of quote. Pagan oracles. Not all oracles are of God. The devil has his oracles as well. Albert Barnes' Notes in the Bible declares, quote, The word oracle among the pagan meant properly the answer or response of a god or of some priest supposed to be inspired to an inquiry of importance, usually expressed in a brief, sententious way, and often with great ambiguity. The place from which such a response was usually obtained was also called an oracle, as the oracle of Delphi, etc. These oracles were frequent among the pagan, and affairs of great importance were usually submitted to them. End of quote. The ultimate source of these revelations is spiritually dangerous, as Richard Watson's Biblical and Theological Dictionary declares. Quote, among the heathen, the term oracle is usually taken to signify an answer, generally couched in very dark and ambiguous terms, supposed to be given by demons of old, either by the mouth of their idols or by those of their priests, to the people who consulted them on things to come. Oracle is also used for the demon who gave the answer and the place where it was given. End of quote. One may wonder how reliable pagan oracles were. The biblical illustrator by Joseph S. Excel notes, these were indeed merely pretended communications from gods that had no existence, or perhaps in some instances, real communications from demons. And the answers which were given were generally expressed in such unintelligible or equivocal phrases as might easily be rested to prove the truth of the oracles whatever the truth might be, Acts 16, 16, end of quote. Ambiguity of meaning was the order of the day. A new and concise Bible dictionary by George Morrish goes a step further, quote, In the learned heathen world, 
Satan had places in imitation of this at which it was professed that an answer from their gods could be obtained. But the answers were often purposely vague in order that afterwards they could be interpreted differently according as the event turned out. Thus the persons were duped who asked the questions. End of quote. By contrast, God's word may always be considered factual and verifiable. Preserving the words of God. The Jewish people were given a special privilege, but demanding responsibility for preserving, supervising, and promoting God's holy word, which Stephen called lively, that is, living, Acts 7.38. Jewish scribes and scholars were especially diligent in preserving and copying these divine utterances. Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible explains their significance. Quote, the Jews were the Christians' library keepers, were entrusted with that sacred treasure for their own use and benefit in the first place, and then for the advantage of the world. And in preserving the letter of the scripture, they were very faithful to their trust, did not lose one iota or tittle in which we are to acknowledge God's gracious care and providence, end of quote. This is how God preserved his word for succeeding generations. Christians need to be especially grateful to the Jewish people for safeguarding the largest section of their Holy Bible. The Hebrew scriptures became part of the Christian Bible since the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Church of God is now the custodian of God's oracles in both Testaments. Christians need to read and study them to grow and mature. In his epistle to Hebrew Christians, Paul scolds them because they needed to be taught again the basic principles of God's word instead of becoming teachers of others, Hebrews 5.12. Some believers today need to take these words to heart because of their neglect of serious scriptural study. Peter cautions preachers by reminding them they must preach God's oracles with the ability God gives, not their fanciful ideas. 1 Peter 4.11 Too many preachers today do not preach the meat of the word of God to their congregants as they are commanded. Rather, concepts from the world of psychology, psychiatry, sociology are often substituted for preaching and teaching God's word. Preaching and teaching are two different, though related, techniques for conveying God's mind to his people. Study the living oracles. Paul commands God's people to, quote, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, end of quote. How precious God's word is for every believer. When we study the Bible, we need to remember we are reading the very words of our creator and redeemer as commanded each of us personally. Bible reading and study should be done with a sense of reverence. Psalm 119, verse 161. When we read it, we are in God's presence and are having a conversation with him when we join Bible study with prayer. To bring our brief study to a close, the preacher's complete homiletical commentary, edited by Joseph X. XL, quotes R. Watson who offers these keys for proper Bible reading and study. Quote, 
these oracles are committed or entrusted to you. One, they are entrusted to be read or understood. Two, to interpret honestly. Three, to make them known to others. Four, to apply to practical purposes. End of quote. Today, God's people are the library keepers for the word of God. God's oracles are not only to be read and studied, but lived, since they are the lively or living oracles given to us to share with the world. Acts 7, verse 38. This has been Digging Deeper with Kenneth Frank. To learn more about the Bible and living a godly life, go to Living Education at lcgeducation.org, sponsored by the Living Church of God.